Before thee let my cry come near, O Lord, true to thy word, teach me before thee. We are thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, please consider taking the time to go to www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and let us know. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you through His Word. Let my lips thy praise confess, yea, of thy word my tongue would sing, yea, Greetings this Lord's Day in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Greetings. I have missed you guys. Uh, we don't normally go a whole week without, uh, you know, we missed church, you know, church for the first time in a long time with our pipes frozen. Uh, but God has brought us together. Amen? Amen. We're also glad to have some visitors with us. If you haven't met the Jan family and, and mother. Uh, then go do that in Samuel as well back here, the fellow in the blue shirt. Uh, those of you in active shooter, tra- active shooter training, these guys I think are pretty okay, so uh, we should be all right. Uh, have a chance to meet Gideon and Shepard and uh, Abram and Creed, right? Did I get him? Those are some pretty neat names. And Jason and his wife. Uh, is it Kira? Kira and Karen, the mother, right? All right. That's, that's, that's what I got. Um, you know, as God calls us together today, we're going to be continuing our uh, teaching in the life of Christ. And God is calling us to pay attention to little ones. Everybody say, watch out for little ones. You know, God has given us all little ones in one way or another, whether it be Uh, little brothers and sisters or your little children or even you know some of you men your wives are littler than you Uh, there are people who are weaker that are uh, in need of our care and many times whether we intend to or not we hurt them and God wants us to watch out for that Psalm 82 says this God standeth in the congregation of the mighty and he judges among the gods. How long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Defend the poor and the fatherless and do justice to the afflicted and the needy. Deliver the poor and the needy and rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not and neither will they understand that they walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But you shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, and judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit the nations. When we don't watch out, God does. And we need to be aware of that today. Amen? Amen. 
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for the great privilege to be invited into your house, Lord, to be with your people, Lord. Lord, for you to forgive us of our sins and for you to fill us with your spirit. Lord, we pray today as we would hear your word that you would grant us faith, Lord, that we might walk in it, that we might be changed, that we might be different when we leave this place, that we might be more like we shall be one day when we see you face to face. In Christ's name we pray, and all the church said, standing with me for just a moment as I read to you my text from the book of Matthew, starting in chapter 18. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. My sermon today is, Watch Out for Little Ones. I almost called it, Entering into Heaven with No Hands. This is a, uh, this will be a very sobering message. Those are visitors who happen to catch Uh, This day, maybe God prepared this for you as well. Um, God is rebuking us, in a sense, and reproving us. And we will hear that from Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 1. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And who shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me? But who shall offend one of these little ones which believes in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must be that offenses will come. But woe to the man by whom the offenses come. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for bringing us to this narrative in Matthew 18, which is covered in three of the Gospels, and Lord, we, our attention is drawn to it, Lord, as we have been working our way through your life. Lord, we have enjoyed great encouragement on many occasions and inspiration, and today I pray that we can be reproved, that we can be rebuked, that we would be reminded that offenses will come, but woe be by those who they come. In Christ's name we pray. And all the church said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. God is watching us. Amen? Amen. A few weeks ago, I reminded us of this in a different emphasis. I reminded us that it's not that God is only watching for the bad things we do, but that He notices when we are striving to please Him, when we uh, sacrifice, when we suffer in uh, loneliness as we serve Him. God watches our efforts to please Him. He watches. But God today is bringing me to remind us that He is watching us in a different way. He is watching our ungodly ambitions. 
He is seeing the pain of those on which we step. He is seeing the hurt that we cause to those who we alienate, those we exploit, those we neglect. God is watching us. My warning does not come to you to steal your assurance of salvation from you, for indeed if God has called you, amen, He will be able to complete what He has started in you, amen? amen. If you've sinned, He can forgive you. And He loves you, and He will cover those sins with His blood. But God's judgment is not withheld from us, even in forgiveness. For He forgives us of our sins, and they will not be held to our account in heaven, but we will reap what we sow here on earth. For he that sows to his flesh shall of his flesh reap corruption, right? But he that sows to his spirit shall reap life everlasting. God's judgment will most assuredly and faithfully come to us, his people, when we hurt the little ones that he has placed around us. These little ones are your children. They are your wives, your brothers and sisters in this church. Watch out! For little ones, this is God's warning to us today. Watch out for little ones. Some of you might be saying, what, what is Pastor Mark talking about? What, I, I haven't hurt anybody. I, I don't, I don't want to hurt anyone. I'm seeking first the kingdom. I, I, I'm trying to do everything right. I'm, I, I, I've taken my kids out of public school, or I've done this, and, and I've tried to, you know, uh, devote myself to training my children when you rise up and lie down and walk by the way. I've been, I've been really working hard and, and all that's great. But do you know that you don't have to mean to cause the pain that you do to have brought the pain? How many of you had this conversation with your children before? How about you, Ratliff? You guys ever had this? Got a kid who comes. He's injured. He's hurt. He's crying. Somebody's done something to him, and you find the offending party, and they go, Oh, I didn't mean to do it. It was an accident. It was, I, didn't, I didn't mean to whack him in the head with the sword, and now we have to go to the ER, you know? And you're just like, Just, but you don't have to mean it. They're still bleeding. They're still hurt. They're still laying in the floor, you know? The little ones felt left out. The big kids played, and they didn't play with the little one, and he feels rejected and, and, and lonely and sad. And, and they're like, what's wrong with him? Well, you know, we weren't trying to hurt him. We were just having a good time, right? Somehow that's supposed to be a good answer. I didn't mean to do it. Somehow the injured party is supposed to hurt less. Somehow the one who did the hurting thinks they should be off the hook. I try to explain this to my kids. When they do something, I say, when the policeman pulls me over, I, I didn't mean to go 80 miles an hour. Well, but you did. Right? And that's kind of funny. But how about the guy who text messages and he goes left of center and he kills somebody? That could happen to you. It could happen to me. I text and drive. I've done it. My kids have seen it. Would it be funny? Would it be okay then? We hurt people. And many times what we do hurts them and we never intended for it to happen, but nonetheless the pain is there and God calls us to care. I, 
I've been very guilty of this in my life, playing with children. I've been guilty of this on the work site, uh, thinking it's all going to be okay. But care is something that has to be very deliberate. Amen? You know, Jeff, you're nodding your head. You work at a very important place, you know, scientific type of a place. How much time do they devote to being safe about what you do? They just, they're constantly safe, protection, be safe. Why are they doing this? Because somebody wants you to get a disease? Because someone's trying to hurt you? Because you want to get bit by one of these animals? No, but because if you don't take care, pain is going to come. Difficulty is going to come. Suffering will result from it. How many have worked at, you know, I worked at all these warehouses and temporary jobs when I was a kid, and they always had this thing on the wall. You know, so many days since the last... Injury. Anybody ever work in a place like that? You know? How many days? And it's like something they get together and they talk about. And they're wearing hard hats. And I think, these people are stupid. Why are they wearing hard hats? You know? They're wanting me to wear goggles. I'm like, they're idiots. Why do they want me to wear goggles? Because they're taking care. Because they know that when a guy loses his eyeball, it's not funny anymore. And it's not, you know, when you go and you do these jobs, they're important, but they're not important as your eyeball. Amen? You can't get that back once it's gone. Rebecca was playing at the Murphy's house years ago, and they were just having a good time. They were playing, and I, I think someone was, you know, sword fighting, and they hit my daughter right in the face, and we had to go to the ER and get stitches. What if it would have taken her eye out? Probably wouldn't really even want to speak about it here today, would I? Poor Rebecca would be sitting over there with one eye. Aren't we thankful that she has both of her eyes? For pretty little brown eyes. But do you know it could have just as well been that she just has one of those left? I know, is this pretty sobering? You guys, are you, is it too serious for you? That's what Jesus is talking about. Accidents are going to happen, but an injury is going to occur, and you are actually going to be the means of causing other people to sin against God. Andy's version, when you're reading out of the ESV, Andy's version is like, people are going to sin, but do you want their sin to be on account of you? Everybody say, I do not want people to sin because of me. And, and you go, well, they shouldn't. It's their own fault if they do. I think Jesus is saying that we have some responsibility, some culpability. Doesn't the Bible tell fathers to provoke not your children to... I can say this because I provoke my children to wrath, okay? I've done it. I've sinned against my children. So when they do wrong because of it, who's to blame? Who does God blame? He blames me. Why? Because I provoked him. Why? I didn't have enough patience or I was stressed out or I didn't take care. People live their lives and they go, well, what I do doesn't matter. I, what I do is my thing. Folks, what we do hurts people all the time. Offenses will come, everybody say. People are going to get hurt and work and play, but woe be by who they come. Now, this is not to keep you from wanting to play and to work. This is an admonition of Christ to be careful, to be deliberate, to think of others. 
Open your eyes. Be aware of those that are around you. Look not every man on his own things, as Paul told the Galatians in chapter 6. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of, of others. You might go, well, I'm the hardest worker in the kingdom. Watch me go. Yeah, watch you go. You need to watch where you go. Amen? You can hurt people doing the right thing, doing good things. That's what was going on. The disciples, they wanted, what did they, they want to be first in the kingdom of God. Come on, Steve. I want to, I want to be first. I want to be first. To, did you know going to be first in the kingdom of God is bad? Wanting to be first in the kingdom of God is bad. You might go, now, I don't know about that. Now, come on. I can prove it to you. This message is fully conveyed in our text for Matthew 18 as well as in Luke 17 and in Mark 9. All three of the synoptic gospel writers were inspired by the Holy Spirit to cover this subject. They covered it a little differently. But I chose Matthew since it begins with a story at first glance not really to be connected to the entire thought. But a deeper look shows us that it is because that's how the narrative starts. They come to him and go, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God? And there's a, there's a great picture here. They want to be great in the kingdom of God. I mean, come on, Samuel. Do, do you just want to not be great in the kingdom? I want to do something great for God, don't you? I don't know you. I'm just kind of hoping you're going to nod. Okay, sorry about that. We want that. But there's a difference in doing our best and then being the best. Do you guys understand the difference in that? See, competition over others is, in this respect, is ungodly. To say, I want to lay down my life. I want to be a Christian. I want to mortify my flesh is one thing. But to say, I want to do it better than Benjamin is ungodly. Because what am I saying? I, he, has to, he has to be put down for me to, be, to me to be raised. You see that? That's why God says we're not to compare ourselves one to another. They each are to esteem others, what? Better than themselves. But you see, they wanted to be, who's going to be first? Right? Come on, Steve. I'm like that. Come on, I want to be the best. I want to be first. And God says, er, that's ungodly. And we go, no, no, but it's for the kingdom of God. Matthew 18, at the same time there came the disciples to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Ambition, even for the right reasons, can blind us to others. You might be running full speed to place, place the next stone in the building of the kingdom of God when you run over top of somebody or whack them in the head with your rock. Oh, but I was doing a good thing. I was, I was on the way to doing something really, really good. If someone was working in your house and they stepped on your kid and broke his arm, wouldn't you go, you, you, you really didn't need to, to work that hard. Isn't that what you would say? Like, okay, now all the work has to stop. Now my child's going to be injured for weeks and weeks and months and all because you wanted to be the one to carry the thing, because you wanted to help. How many of your kids, they like kill each other to try to do the thing you want done? You, he, come on, I know he's done it. I need someone to do X, Y, Z. Three kids run through the room, one slams the other one into the wall, jumps over, pokes their sister in the eye, they get it, they, look dad, look what I did, and I'm going, you know what, I wish you wouldn't have done it at all. What do you mean? I got it. I got it, Dad. 
I fulfilled your will. I obeyed you. Yeah, you did it. And you did it as you stepped on the face of your sister. And it's funny when we look at the little kids who do it, but it's not so funny when we do it and we're the big kids who are doing it. And we do it. And I have seen this happening in our church. I've seen some of you doing this to others. And God, more importantly, has been watching too. This is ungodly. As funny as it is when Tanner or Grant do it, it's not so funny if Heath does it, right? Slow down. Everybody say slow down. Look around. Take care. You know, just being oblivious and not paying attention to what others might be going through, that's bad. Offenses will come. Temptation will come. People will be tempted to be bitter against you, to be hurt by you, to feel left out by you. To feel, you will make them feel unimportant. And you go, well, that's all, that's, that's all them. No, it's not. God will take care of how much of that belongs to them. But He's going to take also in account what your role was in it. You know, one day God may be kind to us to allow us to build a building together, a church building for us to worship and fellowship in. Wouldn't that be a blessing? But picture it. We show up on the job site to do our part, ready to work, willing, feeling good about what we're going to do. And right before we get started, say, hey, now, I want everyone to be careful. If anybody happens to drop a hammer and hurt anybody, we're going to cut your hand off. Just, just letting you know. Now, you might go, well, I'm not working on that job site. All right? Well, that's not really where I'm going. Okay? But if, you know, you really wanted to work and you want to be a part of it, how do you think you would work? A little bit differently, right? Hey, you know, we're going to pluck your eye out, uh, Andy. If, if you, you know... If you whack somebody in the head with a board, we're going to pluck your eye out. How many think Andy would carry the board carefully? I would. That's, what Jesus, that's why Jesus is saying what he's saying. He's saying what he's saying so people will stop and go, ooh, this is serious. Work that we do in the kingdom of God is important, but it is never as important as the people we are doing it with. Amen? See, this is where we get it all wrong. We're, we're goal-oriented. We're, we want something done, you know? God gives us a little responsibility in the church for the church's sake. And the next thing you know, you own it. And you hate the people in the church because they're messing it up. And you're like, it's like, okay, you, you, this is not good. We must take great care. So while they were competing who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom... He brings a little child for an illustration. And he's bringing the child because the child is weak, he's helpless, and he's easier to hurt. I mean, if I step on Steve's toe, it's not so bad. But if I step on Cyrus, I can really hurt him, right? So he brings the little child of the mist, and he says this in verse 2, Matthew 18. Except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. And he knows that when he tells them this, they're going to have some objections which we have how many of you know that if you're careful and if you're godly and you're kind and you're loving and forgiving how many of you know that people are going to take advantage of you 
<laughs> yeah. You ever, you ever have that, you're, you're having a talk, uh, Jeff, with your kids, and you're telling them how to behave like, but if I do that, they'll always take my candy bar. Right? Corinne's smiling back there. If I'm loving and kind, they'll never help me with the laundry. I gotta, I gotta bring the hammer down, Dad. They'll take advantage of me. I'll be staying up all night folding clothes. I can't be kind. I can't be nice. Do you think your dad isn't watching if these heathen boys aren't helping you fold and put away laundry? And he goes, I'll tell you what, you don't help her and you make her stay up late and lose her sleep, you'll be doing laundry all week long. And then they're like, uh-oh, they're scared of dad, right? Dad's job is to take care to watch out for his little one. It's your job to take care of those God has given you. Verily I say unto you, except you be converted, become as a little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever there shall humble himself as a little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And who shall receive such an one in my name receives me. The very nature of conversion is humility. Our pride is smitten. We become aware of how much like children we are. We offer ourselves to others in service. We offer mercy and grace. We give until we are poor that we might be like the Christ who has called us and saved us. God sees this weakness. He sees this vulnerability, this trust, and He vows to cherish it, to protect it, and to make it plain that He is watching His children. Take care. Take care indeed. Everybody say, take care. You know when the Bible talks about not casting your pearl before swine? I mean, you know, the, you, you ever had heathens come up to you and they're like, yeah, you're a Christian. You got to forgive me. You know, I've had it happen. I mean, I've had the very thing happen. They're like, yeah, we know you can't do anything about it. What are you going to do? Well, I have a God who's going to do something about it. And he lets us, he lets me know, you know what? You leave it to him. You think God doesn't watch? That he doesn't love his children? That's what the psalm we read about. God's watching. Verse 6, But whoso offends one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Now I'll tell you what, this is so PG-13. This is like practically R-rated. Could you imagine seeing somebody... Could you imagine just seeing what, I, what was just described here? We're going to take a stone, we're going to put it around someone's neck, and we're going to throw them in the water. Can you picture it? I was, Andy, I was trying to envision this in my mind. It was really pretty frightening. Could you imagine being that person? As you're sinking to the bottom, knowing there's no hope, you're, you're just going, what in the world? And you're looking around, and the weight is keeping you, and you're there, and you're, you're what's going to happen? It's not, we just don't want to forget, oh, we throw them over there. That means they're gone. No, this is death with suffering. This is death with pain and anguish and fright and terror. And Jesus says, this is what's going to happen to people that go around hurting people. That's pretty scary. Scary to me. He wants it to scare us. That's why, that's why when you go for your driver's course, they show you pictures of these cars. Our kids are like, you know what? I really wish I hadn't a God. I really wish they wouldn't have shown that video. I really wish I'd not seen that accident. Anybody ever see these videos? They make you wish you hadn't. Why do they show them? Because you just don't think it's possible that you can do something that's going to hurt somebody that bad. But you can. And people do every single day.
May I have texted my last text ever in a car right now. I'm, I'm feeling conviction right now. No joking around. You see, this kind of death was reserved for those who had committed particularly heinous crimes. It wasn't enough just to put them to death. They wanted to put them to death in a horrible way. Verse 7, woe to the world. Everybody say, woe to the world. Now, you know, we kind of like this. When it's Sodom and Gomorrah, when it's Nero, when it's, you know, the Philistines, we like, we love this, right? Lord, put millstones around the neck, throw them in the water, I hope they die a gruesome, horrifying, terrible death, because they deserve it. And they, they're going to have it. But that's not all the warning was for. Luke 17 says it this way. It's impossible, but that offenses will come, but woe to them through whom they come. It were better that a millstone were hanged around his neck, cast in the sea, than that he should offend one of these little ones. Mark 9, 42. Whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believes in me, it's better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. We can take consolation that when the world takes advantage of us, when they hurt us, when they come against us, when they persecute us, when you see those horrible things that these ungodly people, these people that want to kill all the Christians, God sees every bit of it and he's going to deal with them. But we don't have any of them here today, do we? Who do we have? Everybody say, I'm here. Yeah, God saw that all synoptic gospels carried these things, okay? And he dealt with the people that were outside the world, but then he turned to people inside. He was speaking to his disciples standing around him, and he's telling them this. You see, they were there competing to be greater than each other, and he brought it right to bear on them. As we progress, we will see that God is not merely promising to judge the world for mistreating his people. He will do as he has always done. Where does judgment begin first? In the house of God. If he judges them, calling on them to judge, he calls on us to judge ourselves that we are not judged, right? He calls on you to pluck out your own eye and cut off your own hand. These are very gruesome. I can't imagine anybody ever doing anything like that. What he's saying is, you can't imagine, and he's saying, you can't imagine the amount of care I want you to take. How many of you take that kind of care about the people in this church, about your wives and your children? How many people take that much care not to tempt them to sin or provoke them to anger or let them become bitter against you? How many of you take that kind of care? I would say very few of us do. Now, not only do we attend church with several little ones, as, I, as I've been talking about, uh, do we have any little kids who are listening? Raise your hand if you're a little kid and you're listening. Little kids, anybody under 40? All right, got some little kids out there, okay? Because I'm going to be 50 this year, so everybody, everybody under 40, they're little kids, okay? Now, your brothers and sisters are these little ones I'm talking about. Are you kids listening to me? God is not pleased, but I'm going to try to give you an example. Now, God gives you brothers and sisters, and you think, these are mine. Everybody say, they're mine. If I want to smack my little brother in the head, he's mine. You know, and that's in the house sometimes, think. I won't look too close at any of my kids, but... Uh, well, he was doing this, and so, you know, I whacked him upside the head. 
God gave me a picture in my mind that I think can help us. You, you guys want something to help you? How many of the kids want to help not sin against God and not be uh, deserving of God's judgment? Do you boys, you boys, you want that? All right. Now, all right, Jeremiah, you ready? Imagine that Caden is the son of a king who has the power of life and death in his hands and he's going to judge you because of the way that you've treated Caden. How would you treat him? Would you whack him in the head? What did he say? He wouldn't attempt to. He would not attempt to. Why? Out of fear of? Fear of whose wrath? The wrath of the kings, right? All right. Guys, do you know that your brothers and sisters are children of the great king? And you might think, oh, well, they're my brother and they're my sister. You know, you don't provoke fear in your little brothers and sisters. That's ungodly. You know? You're not their mom or their dad. They're in your house. If they're terrified of you, it's probably because you're treating them not like they're the son of a king, but because they're your stinking little brother. Now, as much as fathers are not to provoke their children to wrath, big brothers and sisters can really be hurtful to their little brothers and sisters, and they can be unkind to them. You know, God is watching you. God is looking, and he's paying attention to what you do. Sometimes we think of our own children as our children. What if we thought of them as children of the king? God's watching us. God's dealing with us. How would we deal differently with the children of the king? You might go, well, that's a silly analogy. I can tell you it's an analogy that's got me a little worried. I haven't, I haven't treated my kids like that. I try to be a good dad and all that, but I'm just, hey, I'm just coming out right out with it. I think I could do better. Any of you think you could do better? Any of you think you could treat your children with the respect of who they really are? They're not yours. They're whose? They're God's. It's a privilege, Luke, when God allows us to raise up His children, is it not? But what He's letting us know is that they're His children. He's watching. Take care. They're bound to get hurt one way or another, but I hope that you're not the one who does it. I hope you're not the reason why they don't want to come to church. I hope you're not the reason why they don't want to follow in the paths of righteousness because they're like, well, my mom or my dad, they never loved me. They were unkind to me. My brothers and sisters, they didn't like me. Now, you know, God, we're all going to be held standing before God alone. But I'm telling you, the scripture's telling us that what we do affects them. Listen to the kind of care God admonishes his people here in Matthew 18. Wherefore, if your hand or your foot offend thee, cut them off. Cast them from thee. He's talking about if, it's, if, if in this relationship you have to understand that you should be taking the greatest pains possible to not hurt others. Because it's really hurting yourself. It's better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet and be cast in everlasting fire. You know, when I used to hear this before, I, I would think basically God is saying, straighten up, you know, because if you don't, you're going to go to hell. That's not what he's saying. He's saying you're going to heaven, but you might have to go there with no hands. 
You might say, what, what on earth does that mean? I was listening to The Great Divorce on the plane last night. And C.S. Lewis said something. I, I had already written my sermon. And he said, on some journeys, you can't take everything with you. On those journeys, you can only take so much luggage. And he goes, and on some journeys, you can't even take your eye or your hands with you. And I was like, mm. People don't understand. They don't, they all, they're all they're worried about is whether they're going to heaven or not. Folks, there's a whole life to live right here, right now. And there are people that we are hurting. And God's judgment will be upon us for the way that we treat others and the way that we take no care for them whatsoever. If your eye offend thee, pluck it out. Cast it from thee. It's better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than two eyes to be cast in hell fire. Mark 9, if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It's better for thee to enter life maimed than, than having two hands and going to hell. Wherefore, where the worm dies, fire is not quenched. If thy foot offends thee, cut it off. It's better for thee to enter a halt into life, having two feet cast into hell where the fire never stops and will not be quenched. If thy eye offend thee, pluck it out. This is Mark 9. Matthew 18, 10 says, Take heed that you despise not these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. Jesus dials it down. He said, Do you know what? These little ones, this little Peter right here, he may be just little Peter to you, but did you know that I have a guardian angel that watches out for him who comes and tells me everything that goes on? He's watching. Do you remember the angel that followed around the children of Israel? And God said, You better watch out for this guy. This angel is very serious. Don't mess with this guy. You guys remember this? Those kind of things were kind of strange to me. I remember when they did wrong, I remember an angel showed up and 100,000 Israelites died. You guys remember that? This angel, their angel. God is watching. The guardian angels are watching. You need to watch out for little ones. Eighteen Matthew 18, 11, For the Son of Man is coming to seek and to save that which is lost. How thank he if a man have a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety and nine and go out to the mountains and seek that which has gone astray? He's helping us to understand that we can even be a part of them going astray. He then goes in and deals with forgiveness. There's no way I have the time to go into this whole thing. But he's explaining through unforgiveness through going just knocking them off the path. You, you know, you can really cause people to stumble. The Bible talks about this. What does it mean to cause someone to stumble? It's when you, you prevent them in their walk with God. I know there are people that believe in me as a pastor, and if they found out I was in some kind of horrible sin, I know people that they never go back to church again. They never live for God again. They sit at home and they go, all men are evil and all pastors are ungodly. And, and the body of Christ is without them. And they live a life of misery, even on their road to heaven. Woe be unto them by whom those offenses come. How many people do you know that don't attend church who, who, who have a skewed view of God because of what their mom or dad did to them or didn't do to them? The world is filled with these people. We meet them all the time. They're hurt. They're in pain and they suffer. And they suffer the rest of their lives outside of the fellowship of the church. Verse 14, Even so it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Moreover, if your brother trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault 
to, to him and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he won't hear... And he goes through this process. He's talking about all of these things in the context of the pain that we cause. He's offended against who? You. Probably because something you did or didn't do about care you didn't take. I have a lot here, but there's. I'm going to move on. This passage should arrest so much of our behavior. It should inspire us to the fear of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. You might say, well, Pastor Mark gave the kids a little example. They gave us something to think about. I'm telling you, please do not neglect to heed this warning from God. You know, warnings come before judgment. And I think that there are those of us here, me included, who could heed this warning. Matthew 18, 6. I'm going to dial down just a little bit, talk a little bit, and then I'm going to close. Matthew, whosoever shall offend one of these little... What does that even mean? Of course, we know it's an encouragement to the godly that God is watching, and when evil men treat them badly, God's going to... God's going to watch that, but people know who you are and they take advantage of that. If we remember the entire discourse began, the disciples arguing over who would be first. You know, it's not a bad desire to want to do good in the kingdom of God, but we should never want to be first above our brothers. When we do it this way, we must be over someone, in a sense, to step over them to get to another place. You know, how many of you like to have friends? Good friends? But what, when we want to be their best friend. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to have a best friend. But there's something that says, I want to be in that spot that so-and-so's in. Okay, now we're going to get right down to realness here just for just a minute. You know, I really like Rebecca, and, you know, she's friends with so-and-so, but, you know, if I kind of work it just right, me and her could be best friends. And sister so-and-so, little girl so-and-so is hurt, is crushed, dismayed, doesn't understand, and all along, you're like, I got right in where I wanted to be. That's ungodly. That's horrible. And you go, oh, you're talking about little girls in the church. Folks, I'm telling you, little girls in the church is the kingdom of God. And it starts with that kind of pain. I know, I know people that have been hurt in friendships from neglect, from positioning, from competition, that, that never get over it. Because they don't know how to play that game. They don't know how to be political like that. They're just... There is no competition with others in the kingdom of God unless we are competing to be last. Is that what we all do? Is that what you do? John Calvin put it this way, every man who thinks too highly of himself or desires to be preferred to others must necessarily do this by treating his other brothers with disdain. It's not wrong to want to be the best you can be for God, but it is sinful to want to be better than others, more honored than others, to have a closer place than others because you think you, you want that place because you think you deserve it. 
Be a good boy. Be a good girl for mom. But never be mom's best girl or boy. See your brothers and sisters as your better. See them as the son or daughter of the great king that you have the privilege of living with. You got, does this make sense? Is this making anybody think a little bit differently today? I hope it is. You see, we're all inflicted with a competitive nature. It's our sin nature is what it is. To help us put it to death, Christ helps us by the threat of dreadful punishment. Oh, well, I'm going to heaven. Yeah, you're going to heaven, but you might have to go one-handed. Because if you don't take off your hand, God's going to take it off. Are you understanding? If you can't protect yourself, if you can't protect others from the sinner that is you, God will. He'll take them out. He'll hurt them. God watches what people do and He doesn't let it go undone. When we look at the words of Christ, we see surely that we are not to despise God's little ones, but the warning goes beyond that and includes that our lack of care that we don't think of them at all can actually be the source of most of the pain. Now, I was thinking of something, and you know, I don't want to like terrify anybody too bad because we're a church full of little children. Do you know not disciplining your children and letting them just run the pews and run in and out of the bathroom and make a bunch of noise during church means that the people behind you, they don't get to hear the Word of God at all. You guys know that? You might go, oh, well, I'm here. I'm here to worship God. I'm here to, 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 to hear the Word of God. You are, but what you're doing is preventing others from doing it. And they're missing out on the blessing and they're being retarded in their growth and their path because all they see is chaos going on in front of their faces. Everyone's being really quiet and really good right now. And in the church, it's not time, you know, one of, you know, one of your kids to you takes a lap through there. It's not time to get a thing and whack them right now. Do, do your disciplining at home. And do it thinking not just how you can keep them under control, but do it out of love for the people behind you. Amen? We hurt and offend and we cause others to stumble. We tempt them to sin. We knock them off the right path. We slow them down. A lot of it happens to do because we say we're oblivious. Oh, well, that's just my personality. Well, it might be. But I would assert that your personality, if not actively corrected, is going to get you banned from the job site because you hurt others. Right, Jacob? You want to be a good employee there, and if you keep hurting people, it doesn't matter how fast you can load that truck, right? What are they going to do? They're going to fire you, discipline you. You can't hurt people on the job. It doesn't matter if you're the fastest truck loader they got. Let us humble ourselves before the Lord and not wait until God humbles us. Let us, if necessary, cut off our own hands and pluck out our own eyes. Let us take the greatest of pains not to hurt others. This is God's call and warning to us today. Let us reach out with care to the little ones that God has put in our paths. Yes, they are despised and mistreated by the world, but they are ours to kindly assist them in keeping their duty. Christ recommends them to our notice and to our care that we may lead them in godly lives. Amen? Romans 12 says we are to condescend to men of low estate. Romans 15, we ought not to please ourselves. 
So much here. I know I've been preaching for a while. But I think you get the message. Read, read Matthew 18 this week. See if it speaks to your heart. Think of your brothers and sisters and your children, your wives, as people that belong to God. And if the king got a report on your behavior, should you be afraid? I think God's been very merciful to us, don't you? I think he's been kind. But I think some people, including me, have heard the warning from God today from Matthew 18. Let us pray. Lord, in your word, Paul told Timothy to reprove, to rebuke, and exhort. And it is certainly not pleasant to rebuke others, even me doing it, because I'm hearing your rebuke as well. I'm not really enjoying it, but Lord, I know it's what I need to do. Lord, I pray that you would open my eyes into how what I do is careless and affects others and offends them and hurts them. Lord, may we work hard if we can to go get those that go astray and, and get those who fall prey to bitterness. But as your word said, it's harder to get them back than it is to take a walled city. Offenses will come, but Lord, may they please not come by me. Lord, please help me, Lord. Help me to be careful where I have been careless. Help me to be open and obvious with my eyes where I have been oblivious. Help me to love others. Help me to take care. Help me to watch out for your little ones. In Christ's name we pray. And all the church said, Amen. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.